Welcome to the Road Podcast, where today we're going to dive into the second sermon in the series entitled, You May Not Be a Legend, But You Can Leave a Legacy. In the series, we explore the power of encouragement and how it can leave a lasting impact on the world around us. And in today's episode, we discuss the importance of being an encourager and the story of one man named Onesiphorus, who, who was not talked about much about in Scripture, but was known as an encouragement of Paul. Join us as we examine 2 Timothy 1.16 and discover the three truths about encouragement that we can all apply in our lives. Good afternoon. Oh man, it is so good to be in the house. Thank you for choosing to come and, and worship with us. I missed you guys on Wednesday, but man, it is so good to get to gather with you uh, this afternoon. Um, let me kind of tell you uh, how my portion of this series got started. Um, about, I would say two months before Easter, um, our pastor came to me and he said, hey, um, isn't encouragement one of your like top three spiritual gifts? And if you'll remember from the beginning of the year, one of the things we've really stressed and emphasized as we're growing in maturity in our faith is taking a spiritual gift inventory test. And you guys all took that. And I know you know what yours is. And so he came to me and he's like, isn't that one of yours? And I was like, you know, where is he going with this? I was like, yeah, you know what I mean? And he's like, well, good. That's what you're going to preach on the first time after Easter that you preach. And so, and by the way, the, it's going to be called, you may not be a legend, but you can leave a legacy. And so, uh, Today we are talking about encouragement. Today we're talking about encouragement. Let me ask you a question. Um, raise your hand if this is true. How many of you like to be encouraged? Okay, that should be pretty much everybody, right? So let me ask you this, changing it up a little bit. How many of you would say, I know someone that could use some encouragement? Great, everybody should raise their hand on that too. Um, just for our purposes, we'll come back to it later. Uh, why don't you, in your, in your bulletin, or your worship guide, just write down their name or their initials. You don't have to, if you don't uh, want everybody next to you peeping and, you know, seeing what you're writing down, uh, you could kind of do it like, like some of y'all used to take tests back in the day. I would be, I hated sitting next to some of y'all if y'all were taking tests like this. <laughs> um, but write some initials down of who you believe could use some encouragement. I, I looked up encouragement. Um, this is what it, it means according to the dictionary. It uses phrases like this, to hearten, how about that? Um, to inspire with hope, to put courage in. To hearten, to inspire with hope, to put courage in. That is encouragement. Um, one of the, I, I guess one, the last time I preached, I told you a story about my mama Scruggs, and, and I told you I'd preach about my papa Costner this, uh, this time. And so let me tell you a story about him. Um, some of you may relate to this, some of you may not. But uh, my, my grandpa lived in this podunk town in North Carolina. None of y'all would ever have heard of it, so I'm not even going to begin to share with you what the name of the town is. But one of the things that I would love to do when I would go visit him is we would sit on the front porch. He had a, I mean, he had a small house, and he had a, a porch that went across the entire front of the house. You know what I mean? And, and there wasn't a lot to do but get in trouble, and so we would often just sit on the porch, and we would talk about 
life. Now, because my papa lived in the country, he had about five acres in front of his house, and he had a road. And then, because it was where it was, there was a train track across the other side of the road. And one of the things that we loved doing was we would sit there and talk, and as soon as we could hear the whistle of the train, we would get excited and begin to say, hey, now, when the when the train gets here, you got to be quiet because we got to concentrate on counting the train cars on the train. And everybody knew that if you got to 100 cars on the train, it was a good train. Now, my wife said that they weren't allowed to count the trains because there was an old wives' tale that said however many train cars there was, is that's when, how old you was going to be when you die. So I don't know. That, that was, you know, weird Oklahoma stuff. In North Carolina, in North Carolina, it was just, we was just hoping it got to 100. You know what I mean? Um, when we were on the front porch counting train cars and talking about life, we were in the house watching westerns. And uh, Matt Dillon, I mean, I could go through them. Anybody watch Bonanza, Matt Dillon, any of that kind of stuff? We all know about good TV, okay? And um, often, one of the songs that would be played at some point or sang at, at the, in these westerns and that I enjoyed singing as a kid went like this. If you have heard of it and you know it, I'm, I'm going to ask you to sing it with me so I don't like a complete fool up here by myself, all right? But this is how it goes. Oh, give me a home, buffalo roam, where the deer and the antelopes play. There you go. We're going to come back to that. And I remember looking at my grandpa and I said, Papa, where in the world are we singing about? And without skipping a beat, he looked at me, he said, Oklahoma. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess that's how we got here. I don't know. We feel so comfortable here. But can you imagine that? A place where there is little discouragement, always encouraged, and the hunting is out of this world. The antelopes and the deer are just everywhere. Can you imagine that? The title of today's message is this, an encouraging word. An encouraging word. Well, the, the truth that we're going to build on, and uh, you guys know we'll kind of come back to this at the end. We'll see how this develops over the time we're looking at our scripture, is this. We need more than information about God's word. We need the encouragement to live it out. We need more than information about God's word. We need the encouragement to live it out. And you may be saying, well, tell me a little more. Well, how about this? Um, Many of you know that I, I get the privilege of working with a lot of the guys here, and, and not only for our men here, but just for me, sometimes I know how to pray. I don't need to be taught how to pray, okay? But I often need to be encouraged to pray with my spouse. Just because I know what to do doesn't mean I always do it. Sometimes I need the encouragement to actually do what I already know I should be doing. Are you with me? So we need more than information. We need encouragement. Let me pray for us, and we're going to look into God's Word together. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this time, this day. God, I, I pray right now by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would use this time truly as an encouragement to your people. Um, Lord, I thank you for how well you've encouraged us so far today. Lord, just so many good things that you're doing among us. Lord, may we never forget the, the miracles that we consistently see every time we gather. And Lord, we thank you that you encourage us in our faith through those things that you do, and even through the stillness of our heart when you speak to us through your word. And so, God, that's my prayer right now. Would you speak to us through your word? In Jesus' name I pray. 
Amen. Uh, today we're talking about being an encourager, and we're going to look to a guy that um, isn't talked about much in Scripture. His name is Onesiphorus. How many of you heard about Onesiphorus? Um, he's literally only mentioned, some of these people raising their hand is because they said in other services already today. Let's just be real, okay? Um, so his name is really only mentioned twice in the entire um, Bible. Um, when I was thinking about this message, it, it dawned on me. Some people probably think when we're talking about encouraging encouragement and an encourager, Barnabas is like the go-to guy in the New Testament for encouraging. Matter of fact, Paul took Barnabas everywhere he went to preach the word into these different churches because he needed there to be an encourager with him. Because as you guys remember and know, Paul had this uh, uncanny ability, right, to speak hard truth, but sometimes that hard truth actually came across as hard. And so when Paul left the churches and the communities that he was in, he didn't need to leave them feeling like they were browbeat. He needed them to be encouraged to actually do what he had told them to do through God's word. Does that make sense? And so he needed to have an encourager with him to encourage the people in living out their faith. And so Paul would take Barnabas, but we're not talking about Barnabas today. We're talking about Onesiphorus. Um, how about this? There's a lot of scripture in your notes right there that for Paul and the apostles that they would use to encourage the people in the places that they would go. Let me just say this. One of the greatest ways that you can be an encourager to God's people is not just give them a high five, but actually to use God's word as an encouragement to them. And I gave you a bunch of scriptures so you can look over it so that when you want to encourage other people in the faith, you can look to the example that was laid out to us through Paul and his buddies. Um, but there was one guy, again, in 2 Timothy that really lived and modeled a life of encouragement. Um, you can turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16. Before we read verses 16 through 18 together, I do want to set up our time, though, in 2 Timothy by just kind of sharing with us why it was written, okay? Paul wrote the book of 2 Timothy to Timothy to encourage him as he was leading and directing and pastoring the church in Ephesus. If you didn't know, Timothy was the preacher, the senior pastor of the church in Ephesus. And so Paul needed Timothy to be encouraged to continue to pastor that church well, even when and after Paul dies. It's important to know um, that Paul realized that when he died, Timothy and the rest of the boys were going to have a hard time. Why? Because Christianity was still new at that time. I mean, who was wise in the faith that these young guys and these, these current leaders could look to for, for wisdom? And, and Paul was that for Timothy, but Paul was going to die and Timothy would not have someone to turn to. Right? I mean, I think about when my dad died five years ago. There's still moments in my life that I think I wish I had my dad's wisdom for faith and for family and, and for ministry, just for everything, but I don't because he's dead. And Paul knew that if he didn't encourage Timothy well, when he dies, Timothy was going to really struggle. And so he says to Timothy, a phrase that most of you will have heard of. He says, fight the good fight. Again, Timothy was going to struggle, and it was going to be a fight, and this is just true for all of us. Sometimes it's a fight to keep the main thing the main thing, but continue to fight the good, the right fight for you and for the church. Okay? So he's encouraging Timothy to do that. And in this encouraging letter, 
uh, Paul tells Timothy to encourage this guy, Onesiphorus. So this is what we're going to read. Um, if, as you guys know how I preach, we read some scripture, we stop, we talk about it, we read some more scripture and talk. Okay. Uh, this is what Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16. The Lord grant mercy to the house of Onesiphorus. Now I want to stop real quick because I... I don't have this in my notes, but the more I research, I, I, I prayed and researched even over the weekend just about this message because I just think it's so interesting and encouraging to me. But the, most theologians believe that when, when Paul is writing and says, go back to the house of Onesiphorus, the, the reality was Onesiphorus had already died. And so instead of saying, go back to Anisiphorus, he's saying, go back to the house of Anisiphorus because his family needed to know just how much of an impact and an encouragement Onesiphorus was to Paul's life. Maybe what an encouragement for us. Maybe some of us know someone that has died lately. What encouragement it is when someone comes to us and says, hey, you may not know this story. Have anybody had this happen? You may not know this story about your dad or about your sibling or about your mama, or about your whatever, right? But let me tell you this, and then they begin to share with us a story of encouragement about how the person we love most made an impact in their life. Um, again, I, you guys know my dad died five years ago, and I, there was about a year later from that, I was so discouraged. I was just, I was just, it was just one of those moments that just really stunk. You know what I mean? I was just in tears, missing my dad. And I remember going to the internet. I know this is kind of dumb, but I was Google searching my dad. You know what I mean? I put his name in. I just wanted to, just to be reminded of his life and some of the things that he did. And, and I came upon uh, this part of a website I never really knew existed. I don't know if it was just uh, the overwhelming nature of the funeral at the time. I didn't realize that the funeral home had set this up. But on the funeral home's page, there was this one section that people could go to and leave encouraging marks. You guys know what I'm talking about? And I remember reading through these things and just tears flowing, just remembering how good, how good it is to be encouraged. And how awesome it was that I had a dad that spoke into people's lives. And it encouraged me in my faith at that time, and I was just really going through it. And Paul is showing us, listen, life is hard. Listen to me very carefully. And people need, especially potentially at the point of death, encouragement. Why? So they can finish their life strong. Okay? Um. Paul continues, um, Lord grant mercy to the house of this, for he often refreshed me. Um, what does Paul mean when he says refresh? How many of you, you can raise your hands if this is true. How many of you ever said that person is like a breath of fresh air? Anybody said that? Uh, I know I have, and I've heard that often many times. That, that is essentially the same phrase as what he refreshed me meant. That our person is like a breath of fresh air, is that day's he refreshed me. But at his core, what it means is everything about Onesiphorus was encouraging to Paul. Everything. He was literally like a breath of fresh air. Well, why? Well, Paul continues to say that not only did Onesiphorus encourage and refresh him, but the reason for that, Paul says, was because Onesiphorus was not ashamed of my chains. It's important to see that in Scripture. Why was Big O, that's what we're going to call him, so I don't get tongue-tied and cuss. You hear what I'm saying? Why, it's important for us to see the reason that Onesiphorus was so encouraging is because, how about this, the worst of Paul did not deter Onesiphorus from thinking the best of him. 
uh, we don't have to be the smartest person in the room, I think, to understand that chains mean hurts, habits, hang-ups, sins, troubles, problems. And here's the deal. We all have all of those. But what made him, and this is, of course, unique, is that somehow he knew Paul's. Maybe, because some of y'all would like to know what the thorn in the flesh was that we have no clue about. Maybe he knew what that was. And yet it did not deter him from sticking by Paul's side. Um, <laughs> I wrote this in your note. It is life-changing when someone knows our worst or the worst of us and still thinks the best of us. It is life-changing. And we don't know just how life-changing that is until we've had a friend like that. Or how about this, or until we've been a friend like that. You realize Paul was in prison when he wrote this. Um, and as a result, and, and I'm just going to try to lay it out plain. I'm not, as a result, because Paul was in prison, there was a lot of people in Paul's life that really had began to distance themselves from him. Uh, and you may be thinking, well, how do I know? Well, Paul said this. Paul said, Onesiphorus wasn't ashamed, right? So we can infer that some people were. <laughs> okay? The bottom line is this, and I think it's not only true for, for in the biblical days, but in our days, is that being in jail in that day as an accused criminal, listen to me very carefully, not only was embarrassing to the person, but was an embarrassment to the friends and the family of the person. Okay, and here's why that is, that's true. Because those that have been incarcerated are often viewed with suspicion and mistrust. And that carries over, unfortunately, or whatever you want to, to the people that knew that person most and were friends and family with that person. Are you with me? But I wrote this in your notes, because, and I think it is detrimental for every single one of us to know this. Previous patterns are not always an accurate indication of future possibilities. And it's important for us to know that just because someone has been, listen, enslaved and entangled in sin, that does not define. Thank God that my past does not define me in my future. And dare I say, all of us, if really we wanted to lay it all out and let each other know what we used to do, none of us would want to show up here anymore. But thank God for the grace and mercy of Jesus that despite who I used to be, I can have a future and a hope that's far better than anything I can think, dream, or imagine. You know, we see this grace and this mercy and this, we can say gospel, grace-centered relationship, not only here with Anissa Force, but even in, I'll say, the marriage you know, in a marriage, it's one of the places, maybe the only place that the gospel is truly best recognized in its literal sense. I mean, in a marriage is where um, we know the best of each other and we know, unfortunately, the worst of each other. How do I know? Hopefully, y'all live in the same house if you're married to somebody, <laughs> right? Unfortunately, if y'all started out like we did, we have two bedrooms and one bathroom. Hello, that meant we got to know each other real well. Y'all get that later. <laughs> and marriage is that place where even when the worst is known, the best is clung to. You, you, are you with me? 
a picture of the gospel, marriage. And Onesiphorus is showing us the picture of the gospel through friendship. It's because even at Paul's worst, he still hung on. Uh, he would be called a ride-or-die type friend. Anybody heard of that? He's going to be ride or die. He wasn't going to let where Paul was overshadow who he was. Regardless of what others may have been thinking or saying, Onesiphorus is going to stick around and be friends and faithful to Paul, even when others weren't. What Paul is saying about Onesiphorus, about his character and view of others, is essentially what Jesus showed us all of our attitudes to be. Do you remember the story in uh, John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11? It's the story where this, it's, the scripture says a woman was caught in the very act of adultery. And there was some, I guess, uh, never sin, do, sinful dude sitting around her that was ready to hit her with a rock and kill her, right? You remember this? Because they just had caught her in sin, and now they were going to deal with that sin despite the fact, I guess, that they never had sin, Right? And what Jesus did is he stepped into the situation. Listen to me. They saw what she had done and forgot who she was, but Jesus saw who she was and forgot what she had done. Now, I need you to follow with me before you get too upset because I need you to understand that, that Jesus saw the sin that she did was egregious. Matter of fact, in verse 11, he goes to her and says, look, go and sin no more. Don't do this anymore. And so it wasn't that Jesus didn't know that she had sinned, but this is it maybe. But he was unwilling to condemn her and maybe this publicly shame her. Through the hardship that she was currently living. Because just to be real, we don't know why she did what she did. And I bet if we knew some of your stories, we would see why you did some of the things you did that nobody understood either. But Jesus was far more concerned about what people thought about him than what he thought about her. I wrote this in your notes. The encourager God desires you to be is the friend Jesus modeled that others need. You know, this is easy to say, well, this is about adultery, but you know what? Adultery is not always physical. Adultery is placing something in place of where something else should be. Hmm. Paul continues. Not only did Onesiphorus think the best of Paul, but he says in verse 17, when he was in Rome... Onesiphorus eagerly searched for me and found me. Here's another way to say this. Encouragers see people as appointments and not as interruptions. Onesiphorus wasn't bummed that Paul was in town. He actively took it upon himself to go and find Paul and encourage Paul. The The truth of the matter is this. There were probably people all over Ephesus that were going around and saying, Hey, um, how's Paul doing? Have you heard about Paul? Have you heard from Paul lately? Right? I mean, just be real. Paul was a big deal. In that day of time, he was like a celebrity pastor. I don't know who celebrity pastors are that you know, but the biggest celebrity pastor I know is Rick. You know what I'm saying? He's just a big deal to me. So it would be like, listen to me, it would be like if Rick got put in jail. Okay? And now you know how the gossip channels are. Well, what did he do? 
he got to have done something wrong. Do you understand? You see what I'm saying? But Anisiphorus was the kind of guy that he wasn't going to be running his mouth to other people. He was going to go right to the source. He wasn't just going to talk to the people in the community. He was going to go straight to Paul and say, how are you, brother? How can I help you? What can I be doing for it? He wasn't going to be talking to everybody else. He was going to go right to the source. You know, when I go home, uh, <laughs> every time when I go home, normally in my life, uh, I'll get there and, and someone will say, uh, hey, I, I saw so-and-so and they ask about you. Anybody ever go home and you hear those kind of statements? And this is what I say, why? Why do they ask about me? They know how to find me. I'm like, you know, I'm like Coach Prime from Colorado, baby. You know what I'm saying? I'm not hard to find. Why? Listen, you know, let me t- I'm going to tell you why. Because some people just want enough to be nosy and make other people think they're in the know when they don't know Jack. They know enough just to act like they know something. That's what we see here. But not, that's not going to be on this force. He was going to go right to Paul and say, brother, how are you? We see something here that most of us already know, but we kind of forget. Sometimes what people say and do is not nearly as important as where they are. I wrote this like this. Our ministry of presence is sometimes the most significant and encouraging thing we can offer. Onesiphorus loved Paul and as a result encouraged Paul the most by sticking by his side during Paul's most difficult days. And as a result, Paul loved Onesiphorus and prayed, that the Lord grant to him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. What day? On that day. That's the, the day that you need to know, that one. Okay? Paul ends his letter to Timothy saying this, and you know very well what services he rendered at Ephesus. Well, no, we don't know. I wish we did, don't you? We don't know. But listen, here's what I do know. It was encouraging enough that it helped Paul continue his life and to persevere during maybe one of the hardest times of his life at the end of his life while he was in jail. Onesiphorus' encouragement of Paul helped Paul persevere to the end. And so here's, here's my question for you guys. Is the encouragement that you've given others enough to spur them on to finish their life well? Is it? How about to your family? How about um, to your spouse? How about to your kids? My, I don't have any siblings. I'm an only child. Um, my mom does have siblings, and she was with them this week at the beach. And um, she's so ready to get back. And that's because when you're adults... I guess at least in their house, they share each other's love by yelling at each other. I don't know. And she just read it would be over with. You know what I'm saying? When, when you got little kids, listen, little kids can not like each other, but then you, because they're still at home, they have to stay. But when they get older, they don't have to stay at home with each other. How well have you encouraged your sibling? Um, many of you know this. I don't have a lot of time. I'm going to finish up with this story, though. Um, one of the things that I've semi-excelled at in my life as a younger man was soccer. And to the point that 
um, there was a season that if you went to my hometown, Boiling Springs, you could go to the local Taco Bell KFC combo. You know what I mean? And, and on the wall was my soccer jersey. And uh, it was really cool. I used to love seeing it. And then someone told me, so-and-so told me, you know what I mean, that they renovated and they took it down. So evidently, um, nobody knows me anymore. So when I go home, it's, it's terrible. Um, but, but because that's what I was good at, it was, it was natural for me when my kids got to the age of play soccer that I thought, well, I'm just going to be their coach. And um, I found out really quick that I'm terrible at being a coach. Um, for some reason, I don't know why this is true, I got in my head that my kids at five and seven could do and should do and be able to do what I did when I was 18. And instead of encouraging them, I discouraged them. And as a result, you know how much they like playing soccer now? They don't ever want to play it. And all because I lacked encouraging them. Thank God he's not like that. And in your Christian faith, let me just say this to you. If you feel any discouragement at all, I just need you to know that's not from him. That's from Satan. Because we serve a God, listen to me, of encouragement. You know, when we're thinking about legends in our, in our faith, um, I bet most of us could come up with Paul, right? I mean, who's legendary in the Bible? Paul. That's easy, right? But I bet hardly any of us would have come up with the name of Nisiphorus. But Paul would have. And I was thinking about this, and I had a conversation with friends on Thursday, and and you guys remember Abraham, right? Remember him? He and Jason and I were talking, and we were sharing about this, this story. And, and um, I'm going to tell you what came out of that brief time. is that if there's anything, I bet Onesiphorus felt like a nobody. He's regular. He's a regular dude. But the beauty of this story is you can become a somebody, even if you feel like a nobody, all through the act of encouragement. You see, we don't necessarily need more information. We need more encouragement. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we do love you. And uh, I'm just so thankful that you are a God of encourage, encouragement. You are so encouraging to us, Lord. And um, you put the right people in our lives so that when we need encouragement, Lord, we can get it. And Lord, I'm just reminded even now of just... Everything is about relationships. And so, Lord, I pray right now that if we don't have people in our lives to encourage us in the, during the hardest times, that, Lord, um, you would bring those relationships to our people now. Lord, I pray that you would encourage them and that this would be an encouragement moment, God, of where they would just be more excited and courageous in living out your gospel and your truth. Lord, we all have people that we wrote down that we know that could use some encouragement and so, God, I pray right now by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would help us. Help us to be an encouragement to them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Church family, you can rise to your feet. You know, one of the things that is true, a couple things that are true about encouragement, I'm going to tell them to you real quick is uh, you may not be gifted for encouragement, but you can still encourage. Encouragement is spiritual warfare. You don't just talk to God about people, but you go to people that 
Satan is trying to discourage. And then it's never too late to encourage somebody else. Vic and pastors here, um, we're here to encourage you. What next step do you need to take in your faith? Would you let us pray with you and take that step with you? Maybe you're thinking, hey, I, I need a family that I can, that can rally around me to encourage me. We would love to be that church for you. You need a faith family. And if you're not a part of one, this is the, maybe this is why you're here today. It's to let you know that this family here will encourage you to continue to be, listen, the best you can be despite the worst that you sometimes are. Guys, we love you. God's word has been spoken. And now we get the opportunity and the privilege to respond. Would you come? As we say. Hey, thanks for joining us at The Road. If you'd like more information about things going on at Choctaw Road Baptist Church, visit us at theroad.tv or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theroadcrbc. Have a great week.